Our sermon text today will be Luke 9:23 to 25. So please turn with me again there. I'm actually going to jump ahead a little bit and read verse 35 between I turn before I read verses 23 to 25. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Verses 23 to 25. And he, Jesus, said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken to us in and through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give us ears to hear. Help us listen by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Uh, My name is Jeremy Britton. I am an assistant pastor at Christ Covenant Church, which is one of your sister churches, if you did not know that, out in Langley. Uh, It's good to be here with you guys again. I was just telling Lance, is it? Zach, sorry. Um, I was just telling Zach, my wife and I actually used to live about eight blocks away the first year of our marriage, and so we would walk to Faith Vancouver Church every evening. So we actually got to know quite a few of you guys, and it's always fun for me to come back. Uh, Pastor Gary Vanderveen and Christ Covenant Church send you their greetings. We actually, you guys were on our prayer list this morning, so we prayed for you guys. In the church calendar, we will soon be entering the season of Lent, a season observed in the church by many uh, to prepare our hearts to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has traditionally been a season for fasting, self-examination, and reflection upon our need for Christ and the redemption that he has accomplished through his work upon the cross. Uh, To share a little personally... It feels as if the season of Lent has already begun in my life. Lent in 2024 will be a prolonged season for me, it seems. The Lord has been leading me to reflect on death, dying, and what is most important in life as soon as Christmas ended. Christmas was a really wonderful season for me. Uh, It felt really fresh. I engaged Advent afresh this year, but the Lord since then has been leading me through some readings and through some experiences to reflect on death, dying, and what is most important in life. And there's been a consistent theme that I didn't see coming, the human experience of dying, common human experience. One of the more influential books that I've recently read that had this theme within it uh, is a book called Gilead, written by Marilyn Robinson. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I would highly recommend it. It's a work of fiction, an excellent book, Gilead, by Marilyn Robinson. 
In the book Gilead, a 77-year-old Baptist pastor from rural Iowa, living in the rural city of Gilead, Iowa, writes to his eight-year-old son. He's leaving a memoir for his young son to remember him by. This pastor, John Ames, is dying. And so he writes epistles to his son about what has been and is most important to him. And he rambles, and it's very endearing and feels truly human. He wrestles with what he has lived for. And he reflects on his life the way he has lived and what he's lived for. He reflects on his father's life before him. He reflects on his grandfather's life. He reflects on his friends' lives. He reflects on his life with his wife who came to him in an elder years. And he re- reflects on what he wants his son's life and hopes his son's life will be. And as John Ames reflects, he realizes that he has endeavored to live for Christ, for God and his kingdom by faith, and has lived well. John Ames is dying, and this forces him to reflect on living. Dying and living, intimately connected, are they not? This evening we've read a good portion of Luke 9, and that will provide context as we consider Christ's words here in verses 23 to 25. I'll read the passage again for us here now. We'll together make some observations from the text and then we'll close by considering how we might rightly receive Christ's words here. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Some observations. We're going to focus our attention mostly on verse 23. Jesus states to all that those who want to come after him must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow him. Context. Jesus asked his disciples earlier, who do do others say I am? John the Baptist, or Elijah, they say, or a prophet of old risen again. And then Jesus asks, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answers. Peter, you know, Peter, he jumps at it because that's Peter. The Christ of God. Peter, apparently speaking for the twelve, believes Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the one upon whom their hopes for redemption rest. Jesus tells them, to keep that to themselves and informs them that this Messiah, they, and they think it's him, must suffer, be rejected by the Jewish ruling authorities, and be killed, and then on the third day be raised from death. 
Now, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. This is a lot of information coming at once. And then Jesus says, apparently raising his voice to project above all, or above the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The disciples put on the spot because they're the ones who are following Jesus. Everybody's invited into following Jesus. Theophilus, the original recipient of this gospel, is going to be wrestling with, oh, that's, that's a big ask. And we too are invited into this to all. What are the disciples hearing? Well, it's not rockin' science, is it? It's plain as day. They've been the ones following Jesus. Everybody knows they're the ones who've been following Jesus. We have to deny ourselves every day bearing a cross to follow him. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We have to lose our lives for Jesus. Deny themselves. Live not for themselves. Live for him, this one that they claim, they profess, to be the Savior that they have long waited for and now have banked their destiny on. Living for Him, that's the way that they experience the salvation that He, the Messiah, has brought. Who are they going to live for? Him or themselves? He calls them to embrace laying their lives down for him, which is made all the more clear by the illustration that Jesus uses. And we, we need to be careful we don't miss this. Take up their cross. How many times has the word cross been used in the Gospel of Luke prior to this moment? Zero. This is the first time that Jesus has used the word cross. And this is actually the first moment where, and he will, mention, he will say this again later, but this is the first moment when he says he will have to die earlier. And he introduces this image, this illustration, cross. Now when you hear the word cross, what comes to your mind? A nice sanded, stained, polished, clean, or gorgeous, wooden, cross-beamed cross that looks strong. Or a beautiful golden or silver precious metal crucifix at the end of a chain. Or maybe some ornately carved stone 
stone tombstone that stands the test of time. Or maybe a silhouetted cross atop a steeple of a church silhouetted in the sky. What would the disciples hear? What would the disciples be thinking about when they heard the word cross? Wait a minute. Hold up a minute. You mean the most brutal, horrific torture device ever known to man? You mean that cruel Roman torture device meant for those who we are to look upon as less than human, as worthless, vile, and repugnant? We have to do that? We have to be less than human, disdained in the eyes of men, daily. We have to die that way. We have to be willing to suffer. We have to be willing to bear the world's reproach. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus had just told them that the Messiah would suffer, be rejected, and be killed before rising again. He didn't say he would suffer a death on the cross. We, on this side of the cross, know where this ended up going. But this illustration is meant to create a line in the sand, a clear picture for the disciples and for all to realize that there's a cost involved in following Christ. Disciples, it's not about you. It's not about your dream and your kingdom. It's about my kingdom and following me. That's what you really want. This is a hard teaching. A hard teaching that there is a cost involved with following him. One of the things that Jesus, Jesus places before his disciples and before all is that they must make a trade-off. They can live for themselves and forfeit their life, or they can deny themselves, lay down their life for Christ's sake, and gain his salvation. This God reality Jesus proclaims to all Now, we know that there's no way to avoid physical death. We know that's coming to each and every one of us. That's our physical bodies are going to decay and deteriorate and eventually cease to function. We are on the clock, and this forces a lot of issues. 
But Jesus invites us to realize that there is also no way to avoid our maker and his judgment. Jesus will be our judge, and we can live for ourselves or live for him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is not the only passage in scripture that speaks to this reality. Hebrews 11 is actually this beautiful picture of saints of old who sought a better country, who turned their hearts to loving the Lord and living for him. And because of this, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Some of the saints experience blessing and victory on this side. Some of them didn't on this side. They were sojourners and exiles. They longed for a better country. And the Lord is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a place for them. Another important observation, this call to die to ourselves is not something that just happens in one moment, daily. One of my favorite stories, because I think it's quite interesting, is uh, the famous evangelist Billy Sunday, tent revivalist preacher, apparently once said that the greatest thing that could ever happen to a Christian would be to come up to an altar call Repent of his sins, experience the grace of God, walk out the, tent, walk out the front door of the tent and get hit by a Mack truck and immediately go be with Jesus. That would be the perfect scenario. Don't think he's right, necessarily. And most of us apparently don't get that privilege. Most of us get to experience the Christian life as a daily dying to ourselves and living to Christ. And we can fixate on the dying part, the cost part. And yes, we are called to die daily. There's a living part here too. Jesus alongside us with grace and love and intercession, working faith and new life in us and around us by the power of his Holy Spirit, helping us, leading us, guiding us, carrying us. At all times, yes, inviting us to die to ourselves and at all times, at every moment, breathing faith and new life in us and through us too. Daily dying to self. What comes to your mind when you hear those words? Daily dying to yourself for Christ. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit's prompting something. I'm going to invite you to chew on that a little bit. Daily dying 
to yourself for Christ. In my life, this has tended to fall into a couple of categories. A besetting sin that I need to repent of, confess, and deal with. An idolatry of my heart. Some kingdom thing that I want that would be my perfect world that I have to trust and entrust and surrender to the Lord and trust that he has better good things for me. Or some suffering that I don't understand, don't want to endure, and I'm tempted to fear and worry about. What comes to your mind when you hear the words, die to yourself daily? What do you have to let die to kill to love and serve Jesus. I'll share a little personally. A few weeks ago when the cold snap came through, a sprinkler pipe burst in our apartment. It has been very inconvenient and quite disorienting. And our home, where we have had memories for over five years now, is dead and gone. We receive word that there's going to be at least six months to this apartment that we have been renting in for repairs, and so we're forced, we're going to move on, trying to figure that out. And throughout this experience, I have been challenged to trust God with what we need. And I have realized that financial security, personal comfort, And convenience are idols of my heart that I need to surrender to Christ. And I am tempted to kick and scream at every turn. Each of us are uniquely called by Jesus with whatever our circumstances and our context are to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily to follow him where he leads not to seek what we can gain in the world. And this is a hard teaching. Jesus effectively saying, let me be the center of your universe, not you. It's a hard teaching. And there is a prize in it. He is in it. And his life is in it. Famous missionary Jim Elliot, one of my favorite quotes. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about the rest of this passage. Who do you say I am, guys? You know me. You've been watching. Who do you say I am? The Christ. The one we've been waiting for. We know you're him. 
And then in the transfiguration. But wouldn't this just blow your mind? Shatter your earth. This is my son. My chosen one. Listen to him. And he foretold that he would suffer and be rejected and be killed. And on the third day, make resurrection a reality. Death would be defeated once and for all. And he did rise. And resurrection is our reality. And death has been defeated. This side is but one part of the living that we will do. Jesus says he will come again to judge the living and the dead, 2 Timothy 4.1. And he says he will come and save those who are eagerly waiting for him, Hebrews 9.28. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid of dying to yourself. When you do so, you will be living, truly living, here now and forevermore. Let's pray. Again, Jesus, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. The sin runs deep within us. Our cowardly hearts fear giving up their toys. And so, Lord, Release us, free us, break us where that is helpful. Do so gently. Show us how we might live well here now and forevermore. You know what's going on in the hearts and minds of these men and women. Lord, have mercy on us. We thank you that you do this kind of good work by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you are a good master even when we are scared. Amen.